0: Hey, guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivy, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, welcome back to part two of our introduction to raw. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. I know it was overwhelming and I'm gonna tell you this part two, just as overwhelming. Uh, We just continued on talking and really a lot of information came out. Again, I just want to reiterate that this is just an introduction. We are just barely touching on this subject. There's so much out there. But I'm hoping that we will get something put together May, April, for a more in-depth look at raw but in the meantime we encourage you to do your own research you can reach out to us um I'm gray is can talk with you about anything that that you're you know wondering or uh, concerned about so do listen to this part two and again if you have questions reach out i hope you enjoy it and i hope you don't get too overwhelmed by it so it's going to ju- just jump right back in to where we uh, continued our conversation uh, a couple weeks ago. So enjoy. Yeah, I tell you, it's so much to think about. And there's so many, so many ways of doing raw. And and I don't think that I, I just think that anytime you're doing something better, even if you're just doing 10% raw or 15% raw, it's still going to be better than feeding 100% kibble. No. Absolutely, now, yeah. now you may not have done a lot of research on this one. I'm going to throw this question at you because I didn't. Uh, pr- I didn't tell you beforehand. I was going to ask this because I knew that we would just kind of get off track and start talking about whatever. But there is a lot of like dehydrated versions of food out there, and some people look at that and go, "Okay, well, what about a dehydrated version?" Um, you know, obviously, we have to make sure we soak it really well. So, but even those, I mean, they don't have a lot of the nutrients and minerals still in it because it's still processed, but not as processed as kibble could someone kind of start doing that to transition maybe dehydrate it and kibble mixing that and then slowly from dehydration to a frozen raw to eventually going into raw or is it better just to kind of go hey we're just gonna go raw and be done with it
1: you, you can I was actually looking into that when I did the my uh before I did the raw but I did the dog food you know dry food nutrition I was looking into different freeze dried treats but a a lot of them still have a lot of random preservatives in there a lot of them are adding supplements back in you just want to make sure you're not you just want to make sure your dog food and that dry food is not overloading them with nutrients
0: yeah i think that's probably the the scariest thing for people because for me i'd be afraid am i giving too many nutrients yeah
1: and that's what kind of backs me off from feeding raw i mean i I do want to feed raw but that's the kind of thing that cost me at first before i read into this is really you know i don't want to I don't want to overdose. N- yeah, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to give my dog. I don't want my dog to be deficient in something, right? Because then, it's, then you're trying to fill that gap, and you're trying to figure out what it is they're missing, and that's really, really hard to do without these tests that I'm sure cost a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you can definitely feed. You can definitely feed those freeze dry raw foods. There's a lot of a lot of places online that does offer that. It's just you have to make sure they're getting the amount of moisture in there so they can absorb it correctly like you said, adding water to food. I will always add water to my food now. Even with dry kibble, I started adding a lot of, a lot of uh, water to my food. And that kind of brings me to you know fish oil now. Did you talk yes. about that in the last podcast?
0: Um, I I'm, I don't think we really, we talked a little bit about fish oil, but we talked mostly about fish, how it will start to oxidize in the bag. But you said something before we started this podcast that absolutely threw me for an entire loop. And I haven't had a chance to process it, uh, but it's the fact that, we shouldn't be feeding our dogs fish oil. Oh it's, boy,
1: it's a very, very comfort. You know, it's controversial for sure. But fish oil, it oxidizes in each food. You know, whatever's mixed with it oxidizes in a longer, you know, different period of time. But what that can do is that it can create a negative effect. It can create the opposite effect of what you're intending. You know, a lot of people get fish oil for a shiny coat, for joints, for you know, dogs with arthritis, but it can actually cause inflammation if it's oxidized. It can create those bad agents, which then kind of attacks the body. It, it, it sees it as a foreign entity, and then your white bloods will attack it, and it's, you're having problems. Um, I I feed hemp seed oil now is what I've been doing for my dogs. Of course, do your own research. Talk to your vet. But that's kind of what we're finding now. And I, I, I do want to do another podcast talking specifically about additives and fish oils and all that kind of stuff um yeah because
0: i mean that's something that people are constantly if there's a lot of fish oils added to food but sometimes it's it's such a minimal amount it's not really doing any good but it is oxidizing still in the food but then there are people that i I did hear that if you're going to add fish oil add it separately Mm -hmm. but even then you're saying that even that fish oil because i take fish oil every day yeah so now i'm questioning do I need to be taking fish oil capsules every day? Well, the capsules,
1: that's different though because okay. they're, they're in a capsule form. So there shouldn't be any oxygen getting in there. Well, for the most part, that that little, <laughs> that
0: little that bit, right? Yeah, it can yeah. get
1: through there a little bit. But for the most part, in, in a capsule form, you should be fine because it's not really oxidizing. It's the problem is when you know, it's in dog food, you open the bag and if you don't have a proper place to store it, the food oxidizes, it becomes rancid. You don't really notice because the fish already smells like or the food already, already smells like, like fish, fish yeah. right? So it can cause some problems we don't even realize. It can cause the opposite effect.
0: So are we looking more for, if you're doing a food, um, having a food, whether it's kibble or raw, but adding our own fish oil? And I know we're probably going to do a podcast that's going to be different on this, but just to say, do do I feel comfortable getting a you know a, a salmon oil that's in a pump, and I pump it on the food, and so it's just being in this plastic container, or am I better off Getting capsules and then just poking a hole and squeezing the fish oil on the food that way.
1: Most 12 feeders are actually discouraging from fish oil, fish oil altogether. Wow. And wow, y'all. This is Some the, of them, are, some all of them new. go to hemp seed oil, some of them go to some other kind of oils we can get into, but uh, there's a lot more to it. We'll To be continued on that one.
0: Wow. So this is something. Some of you guys may be like, oh my God, I've been giving fish oil every day on top of the fish oil. So they're getting the omega-6, they're getting the Mm. omega-3s. And and
1: those are essential acids, which just essential fatty acids, which means, essential means they cannot produce them themselves. They have to have them from nature. They have to have them added. It's very, very important. They do get those.
0: What about foods? So what if you're feeding like a raw diet and you're feeding canned sardines or mackerel or... Or those, Absolutely. because they're in the can, yeah. they're a little bit safer from oxidiza- o- oxidization. <laughs> Y'all, I'm gonna make up new words here. And now Brits over there, just like, yep, <laughs> they're safer from oxidizing in a can.
1: There's, of course, there's a preservatives in there, the can, but you know, still canned food is better than feeding yes. that dry food. It's, yes. you know, you have the moisture still in there. You're not losing as much stuff. Uh, even if you wanted to switch from. Dry kibble to canned food, you are doing your dog a great service. Yes, you're spending a little more, a lot more, a lot more. Um,
0: Unless you get a small dog, then it's, yeah, it's very doable.
1: Yeah, but for me, like you know, having an Aussie and a border collie, granted, a small border collie, it, it, I can see how it can be a little pricey. Um,
0: it can be overwhelming. Yeah, but yeah. one thing I want you guys to think about, and vets are going to hate this, um, when you feed a really good food, you're going to have less visits to the vet. For things other than annual. Absolutely. So you don't want to just look at what you're paying up front. And and I do encourage you also, we always talk about caloric intake and the right amount of that so that, you know, you know how much you're feeding so that per meal can be real similar to what you're feeding with kibble. Kibble is, again, very easy to use, very convenient. But, uh, you know, when you're looking at it for the overall health of your dog, can make a huge difference Mm -hmm. which brings me to the point that i was just about to say and then i just quickly forgot it um but when you're looking at kibble there is a percentage there people look at your protein percentage your fat percentage the carb percentage is not on there because y'all know there's the afco does not do a minimum of carbs dogs don't need that many carbs So one of the things I was asking, Gray, I personally keep up with my macros. I keep up with my protein, my my fat, and my carbs that make up my entire caloric intake for the day. Is there a specific percentage to dogs' macros? Because I know that's, I don't know if they've even done enough study to figure that out. Versus, I do know that like your athletic dogs need to eat 10% more um then they're you know per hour of work than just your normal pet dogs but is there a specific percentage of of those macros that they're recommending
1: oh, i wish there's And then, a, wouldn't it be easier there's, there's a uh rec- there's a minimum afco you know basically you talked about that yeah set time. a minimum yeah. but it doesn't really mean Yeah, much. they said a minimum but they don't set a maximum they set basically the Bare minimum of what a dog needs to survive. Yeah. Depending on, you know, we use evidence based science. Right. Know, depending on, you know, and, and the standards aren't and it's really, really that, a guideline Yeah, it's really guidelines. And th- they're not really applicable when it comes to raw food because it's virtually impossible to follow those guidelines when feeding a raw diet. A lot goes kind of into that. um But the AFCO diet, I mean, the problem with it as well is it's mostly studied with dry kibble. There's not a lot of studies done with raw food. It is, it's nuts, but we kind of talk about the primordial diet when we're talking about raw food, which consists of about 49 percent protein, 44 percent fats, six percent carbs, and then that extra one percent, you know, extra vitamins.
0: And Only 44 percent protein, or did you say 49 percent?
1: The rule of thumb is you know for every gram of fat, for every gram of fat, you want to have two grams of protein because oh. pro, uh, fat has basically double the amount of calories as proteins you want to have kind of a healthy balance and and for the longest part they thought fat was what's causing obesity in dogs right. but well it's not in humans it, either by the way it's carbs it. <laughs> carbs to a dog is just pure energy yeah that's the only way that they their body sees it it's just pure energy and the you know the grain-free foods the even grain foods have a lot of carbs i was most, i was don't need them.
0: yes i was blown away when I'm looking at grain-free foods, at the percentage of carbs that were still in it.
1: Not a lot of protein. Which no. is, they're, they're carnivores by design, and they're breaking down all these, all these carbs. And it's,
0: I guess I would just think that they would need a 60 to 70% protein basis, but I, I'm just not taking into consideration the fat Right. with that.
1: Right. And, and a lot of these high-carb diets, I mean, there's studies coming out now that that can cause a lot of hyperactivity
0: we see a lot of hyperactivity dogs do not need that help with that sugar
1: Mm -hmm. no yeah they don't at all
0: yeah that is see that i think that i think this is it's really good to educate the people but i do think that they sit here and go well now what do i do i don't know how much meat to feed i don't know how many vegetables and fruits to feed i don't And I think that also you're going to have to look that every dog is going to be different. You know, every dog has a different metabolism. They're going to have a different, um, you know, exercise regimen. If you have a dog who's, you know, running three or four times a day or running with their owners, then, yeah, their diet's going to be different than someone who has a desk job. (laughs) Therefore, that dog's just sitting there. Yeah. Um, I think you have to look at that. But I think the guideline, we would say 49% protein
1: you're about two to 3% of the dog's body weight is the okay. amount. Of okay, food so you're
0: that's eating. a good guidance to go yeah.
1: with. Two to 3%. Two to 3%. And then however much fat you want to double the protein. And then uh, there's going to be some bare spots you need to fill in. And that's where the vegetables come in. You kind of cut out the middleman, you know, because dogs are going to get their most of their nutrients from, well, smaller rodents that have eaten grains and that, eating, yep. eating those vegetables and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you can feed them that, but. You kinda of cut the middleman out by just feeding them straight up vegetables that you know you when know, I mean, you have to do your research to find out which vegetables are rich in what right. vitamins. But you can't just feed them I and mean, you can feed them raw fruits and vegetables, but it doesn't absorb quite the way you need it to. It's most of it's gonna get passed through their system because it's not gonna get digestible because of the, you know, thick cellular wall cell wall. Um, a great way to get dogs to absorb fruit and vegetables faster and a lot easier is puree it or even just cut the cut the carrot or cut the vegetable up a lot finer so that the dog can absorb it greater.
0: Because when when they would eat an animal in the wild, so they eat a rabbit in the wild and they go to the stomach, they're eating the grain or the the it's whatever pre digestion that's in yeah. there. They're eating that, so it's already pre digested, so it makes it easier.
1: Exactly, they need that help. They they can't really digest. That the whole portion because exactly. they're not made It for just that. Passes, exactly, it passes right where the through. rabbit
0: is like, I can eat all of this and I can easily just it automatically digest because dogs don't have, and I always mess up that little the stomach that they would know the thing that's in the saliva, yeah. Amatripoline, no, that's is that right? No, that was something else. It's if I close, see, all I take it's a lot of information <laughs> going on, but the, the dogs don't even have what it takes in their saliva to begin the process of digesting carbs or, or, the stomach. Or, the stomach. or the stomach. So if it doesn't even start there and that's where dogs would get the majority of those kind of carbs are coming from the, the protein they're eating that has eaten carbs. But unfortunately a lot of the protein that is being, or the animal protein, I should say that is being um, grown today is not getting that free range. And that is where, it's so important to get that uh, difference between a free range and getting an animal that has just been raised on just regular feed because then you have a dog who is not getting that natural carbs from the animal portion of it. All right so that was my rant on how the food is made today so let's kind of start towards the wrapping up of this of when I was feeding a raw diet Basically, what it looked like was I would thaw out some meat that I would use for several days, but then I would make, I say I, I would never do it. Brittany really did it. She would she would prepare fruits and veggies, and she would puree every bit of it, like on a Sunday, and freeze it. And then we would get fresh meat. And usually we use turkey, beef, we would do some chicken, and we would basically do the meat. And then we'd throw in the fruit and veggie mix and then we'd add our supplements. Now, I couldn't tell you exactly what the percentages were. I did not even come close to that. What would you say would be kind of a, I don't want to say this is the diet you need to feed, but just give people an idea of what it looks like. Because I know what we would do, but give me an idea of what it would look like if you were to switch your dog to a raw feeding
1: yeah, uh, that sounds right, and there's there's a lot of variables to it. I mean, you said you freeze it, and even freezing food does strip nutrients from the food. You have to think about that as well. Um, you know, kind of example I can give is, you know, chicken necks, ninety five percent lean beef, and then maybe some liver. And then if you get, if you if you let's say you fed that for a week, you're still missing some nutrients you might need. So then I might rotate to something different as far as like I might do chicken necks. 95% beef and then maybe a kidney and then some heart. And then really I, make sure you're rotating. You're right. I do
0: remember rotating from just meat to organ meat. Mm-hmm. I do remember doing that. But you know what? Another thing that I remember when I first started doing this, and, and I actually started doing a raw diet back in about 2004, 2005. That's when it really started kind of coming out there. And so I started doing some research. One of the things that I remember them mentioning was doing a fasting day. Is that something you're yeah.
1: finding in your new research? That, that's, I meant to mention that, that you should have at least a half day or a whole day of just make very, very, very limited amount of food, lots of water, but very limited amount of food to really, really increase that absorption rate. So that when you first give them the food, they're absorbing all the nutrients they need.
0: Oh, see, that, and that's something that people think, Oh my God, my dog is going to miss a meal. But I mean, we do fasting for humans. I do not fast it. I do not do well, but I know that that a lot of people will fast. They'll eat so much and they'll fast a certain day. But I thought that was really something and very interesting that they were saying let your dog eat very little, if not anything at all that day, just to help with things. But I do also remember the rotation of meat and organ
1: meat. And the other reason is a lot of some dogs will kind of look at raw meat and turn a nose up because they're not really used to it yes not i mean that's a very it's not a lot of dogs i (laughs) I know my dogs would look at it right and just eat it right up but a lot of that fasting is so the dogs will become a lot lot hungrier
0: i know that when i I first started my roddy did not like raw vegetables Mm -hmm. so i would actually boil them very lightly with a little garlic powder yeah and then i would mush them up and start feeding her that way. And then she got to the point she was fine eating it raw. Yeah. But it was really weird to her because it was something she had not been used to. She'd been eating kibble. Is there ever... Is it ever too late to start your dog on a raw diet?
1: No, I, I, would, I wouldn't say so. Unless unless my dog has some known health problems that could prevent them from maybe digesting them properly. Or just you know, maybe having some problems with some type of bowel problems. Then I would... My, would discourage that but it shouldn't ever be too late to switch that to switch to a healthier option in fact i'd say it's probably better it's arguably better to switch them towards the end of their life that um just know that seniors will need more protein you have you they'll need more protein to make sure everything's working properly
0: and it's funny because the majority of the senior diets have lower protein and the Less brain protein, more carbs yeah, the brain has got yeah. to have protein to function mm-hmm. Um, and even if you have a dog with the liver, they're saying that more protein is better. The liver doesn't actually have to work as hard. Uh, of course, yeah. that gets way deeper into things that my brain hurts when I have to think
1: about. That would be part two. That would
0: be part two. Actually, this is part two because we are we are doing this all in one night. But I am going to break it up into two parts for you guys. So you don't have to listen to it for too long. Uh, I just really wanted to make sure that you get an idea of what... We mean when we're talking raw diet and what some of the pros are. Obviously, there's some cons, especially if you are boarding your dog. Um, I remember going out of town for about 10 to 12 days and had two dogs I had to board. And the amount of food that I had to pack in Ziploc bags individually and take in a cooler, I will tell you that that person that was boarding my dog did not want me to come back. So it was, I mean, it was a lot. So sometimes kibble is. Now, here's another good question If a dog is eating a raw diet, that's their main diet, and someone's going out of town, is it bad to give them a kibble or a dehydrated version of that while you're out of town and then get back onto raw? This is one that just kind of popped up in my head because I know traveling with search and rescue, raw was difficult, especially because sometimes we were called to leave within an hour or two. So getting everything ready was challenging. Yeah. Is it something that you could go back and forth on? I mean, it surely can't be any worse than feeding kibble all the time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some some pal problems going on there. There's going to be some loose stool for sure. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't think it, it's bad. I, I think the main concern you'll have there is the dog not wanting to eat the kibble. They're like, so no, nasty. why are you
0: giving me this exactly. cardboard when I've had nothing but fresh food?
1: Exactly. I mean, imagine eating filet mignon every night and then you know getting fed a. You know, a fake burger. Yeah. An impossible burger. From-
0: <laughs> impossible from burger from one of those places. <laughs> right. That we shall not mention. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you're right. I, I mean, I think that if I was eating because I know that now that I've eaten healthier, I don't want to eat fast food. It, it It doesn't appeal to me. I don't think I'm going to feel good when I eat it, even though sometimes I still get cravings for particular.
1: But when you eat fast food a lot, you crave more fast food. You crave more
0: because of the sugar and all that. And so that's what ends up happening. And I think that you guys will find that if you decide to switch over to something like raw or even supplementing with raw, you're going to find your dog is going to be healthier, happier, more energetic, but not hyperactive. So think about the difference between having an energetic dog versus a hyperactivity is a child who is, um, good energy based off of whole nutrition, whole foods, healthy versus a child that is jacked up on caffeine. That is two different levels of energy. And that's what we're looking at with your dogs. It's a, it's a difference of your dog being jacked up on sugar from kibble versus feeding a raw diet uh, that's just giving the dog's body exactly the fuel it needs to do what's normal yeah. and regular.
1: Yeah, and I, and I also encourage clients, you know, if your dog's having excessive gas, oh, your dog yes. is burping excessively, especially after meals, uh, if you're having those problems, I encourage you to make some sort of, of food switch. The biggest problem I'm having is every single vet, every single breeder is putting their dogs on Purina, which, you know, you look at the ingredients and no one, you know, if you don't know anything about it, looks looks just fine, but then you're getting really – really deeper into it and it's just if my dog is when it comes down to it, if my dog is having a lot of gas my dog is having a lot of problems eating foreign objects grass like that then a you know, food switches might be needed I, dogs are food motivated to the core if a dog is not really wanting to eat that food there's a as nikki's always taught me there is a problem with that and i'm finding that you know, there's a reason for that there's a I'm finding that out more and more and more. He's not just picky. No, he, he didn't
0: he wasn't there, born being picky. No,
1: there's no picky eaters with dogs. Like,
0: anymore. I don't want this steak. I want yeah. that steak.
1: Yeah. There's a reason that dogs not wanting to eat that food. It's either not making them feel good or it's they don't like the taste of it and it and, it can cause a big problem. Or they're just not getting the nutrients they need and they're trying to tell you that, but they can't speak to it. They either. can't.
0: Yeah, they can't say, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling lethargic, I'm feeling um some, you know, some discomfort here or whatever you have to look at that and see that even with your older dogs yes older dogs going to slow down a little bit but if you have an older dog who is being you know more lethargic than what you think and let me tell you guys when people I have clients that are like oh he's eight or nine he's already geriatric that is not geriatric unless you have a great dane mastiff then maybe we're looking at some geriatric um symptoms there but most dogs should be living for quite some time and eight or nine is is just kind of, that's maybe middle age. That's maybe be where I am right now. It's, it's not uh, where you automatically think your dog should just lay in bed and sleep 90% of the day. There is no reason to think that your dog can't be lively and energetic up into the day it passes on to the, you know, another world. So, just know that nutrition is gonna play the the biggest part of that. And and if your dog is obese, there's some things that we need to look at. The best way of dealing with obesity is a raw diet.
1: Cut down the carbs.
0: Cut down okay. the carbs
1: because those carbs are huge. It's the number one complaint with vets is your dog is too overweight. And it's the number one complaint I've had with clients is you I've seen obesity. so many overdog weight yeah. or overweight dogs can't talk today overweight dogs it's a big problem it's a big problem and that comes from a very very high carb diet
0: look at the i mean look at our world i mean look at the united states it's obesity is huge huge in our society in our society because of that carb intake and people think oh low carb is the way you go yes low carb is good but there are different types of carbs that you have to look at for humans But for dogs, they don't need the amount of carbs that you find in kibble. Kibble has to have that amount of carbs for the processing. So if you go to a raw, you can control that carb intake so much more Mm -hmm. and give your dog exactly what they're needing. So I do encourage you to do some research, but don't worry. We're probably going to come back in about April or May and talk a little bit more about this. Um, I believe that we'll be able to start offering the raw consultation with gray uh, probably mid to, to late April. We're going to give him a little time to take this course again and just kind of absorb it. It's a lot of information. If you, if you can't tell from our two-part series here, it's a lot of information. I'll
1: try to take the headache away from you.
0: Exactly. So he can come up with, uh, you can look at the dog, you can look at the needs of the dog. Of course, you'll probably want to look at any recent blood work or physical that the dog has had. And, you know, really come up with a good plan of the percentages of what the dog might need and what those items look like. You know, he could tell you this is what the kind of meat you need. This is the organ meat. This is the amount. And these are the supplements. I think the, I would say if it was for me, the supplements are probably the most daunting for me. I mean, I can give my dog some meat. I can give some vegetables and fruit and I feel good about it. But I will say that the supplements are probably the one thing that I get nervous about.
1: And you'll and you find that ugh, a lot of the stuff your dog might need is stuff that you're gonna throw away anyway, like my old banana. Right? A l- yes. lot of fermented bananas have more nutrients well than what a you know, freshly pull off the vine or you know, pull off banana might might have.
0: You know, it's funny you say it because when Britt was out of town, and I know y'all have laughed at me because I was a single parent for a while because Britt was out of town and it was exhausting. But the dogs ate really well because I was basically finding anything that I did not eat in the fridge. Um, and the bananas that were, you know, they just go rotten faster than I can eat them. I was adding a bunch of stuff to their food and they were eating, they were in heaven, <laughs> heaven. And I was like, yay, I'm cleaning out the fridge, but it's going to be so proud, but I'm not throwing it away. I don't have to throw as much, you know, trash away, but I did find that they really enjoyed that kind of, it was a, it was a, I mean, it really was like a casserole. They were like, what are we going to get tonight? Because I was just finding things to add in there. Because I'm finding that even like leftover lunch meat, not the healthiest thing in the world.
1: It's better than your kibble.
0: Right. But adding it into the kibble, I'm like, hey, this is fantastic. But anytime I would add things, I would take in consideration so I'd feed less kibble. Because I am very picky on on the caloric intake with the dogs. Y'all have heard me preach about caloric intake 5,000 times. Um, But just to add those things. Don't throw it in the trash.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I, I'm, I'm, I'll never discourage my clients from giving table scraps because it's most likely... Healthier. Healthier than your How table. many times do you get yeah.
0: clients who are like, they get this look of guilt on their face mm-hmm. and they're like, well, sometimes I give them table scraps and they get this guilty look like you're about to yell at them and I'm like, oh, that's great because it's probably healthier than what mm-hmm. you're feeding.
1: As long as your dog is not, as long as you're not rewarding your dog for begging, you're good. There you go. You're, you're good to go.
0: And obviously there's a list of things you shouldn't feed your dogs. Grapes, onions, fresh garlic, chocolate. I mean... Y'all can look that stuff up. We don't need to, we're not going to treat you like you're in kindergarten. You know, there are things that the dog cannot have. And if you're unsure, just do a search. It They will tell you what you cannot feed your dog. I do encourage if you are adding anything, try to do it with the least amount of salt, spices, things like that. But um, But adding some things that you've had left over. I mean, I am finding that it's just one easy way to get rid of the stuff in the fridge that I'm not going to eat, but the dogs enjoy it. And I do know that most of that's healthier than what I'm feeding, even though I'm feeding a really high quality kibble.
1: Yeah, and whatever I add, I'll take away maybe a little bit from their from their actual yeah. dog food. Um, Perfect. Just want to make sure you're not. You just, just want to make sure you're not always giving this. You know, you're not supplementing your dog food for maybe a steak or something, right? I mean, over time, yeah, it's great and all, but you might be missing some vital. Nutrients you need.
0: Yeah, so don't worry, guys. I know this was just a touch on things, and uh, we will have more information for you. But there is a lot of information out there. There are books that are out. There's, um, there's a lot of references, and there are veterinarians that do understand raw. They understand nutrition. You may have to search them out in your area. Uh, like I said, we will be available for nutrition consultations. We are available for nutrition consultations. Probably here starting in the next week or so once we can get the stuff on the uh, website. Uh, Britt's going to be working on that. I'll be doing the nutrition consultations for you guys. We can do via email and then Gray will be available via email uh, doing raw consultations for you to help you with the diet and to give you a plan. Um, And that's all just guidance to get you going and make your dog as healthy as possible. Uh, Gray, you got any kind of finishing words uh, for this this two-part series that we've done on raw diet? Because I know that we could probably talk for hours on raw diet. But it, it's it is overwhelming. I, you know, it's and as as much as education as I have on nutrition and what I've done with raw in the past, it's still a lot of information, and, yeah. and it can be overwhelming. So I'm really glad that you're going through this and you're getting this certification so you can help us all. Yeah,
1: it's 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 very overwhelming, and I, I would just say you know do your own research and just find what's best for you and your family, find what's best for your, you and your wallet. But I will say. When it comes down to I mean, just looking at the nutrition of a dog, looking at the mechanics of a dog's digestion system, raw food, is it's the way to go if you're really looking for a healthy healthy diet with a dog, really looking for optimum uh I guess results to your dog. I mean, you you might pay a little more, but in the long run, you're gonna be paying less with not having as many issues with the vet. Exactly. That's 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 the whole goal here is you know, really, really finding out that the microbiome is is the most important part of a dog, and unfortunately, there's just not enough research done about the gut. Nobody it,
0: talks about it,
1: even with humans. It's it's that's why they call it the most forgotten organ in the system. Yes, yeah. it's, it's very very important. It regulates almost everything in our body.
0: Yeah, nobody ever really talks about it, but nutrition is so important. And you know, we want you guys to be healthy. We want the dogs to be healthy. We want them to feel good so they can act well. And we are just trying to give you all the information that you can have and, and understand that uh, this is a guideline for you. This is, you know, and speak to your veterinarian. If they don't have education on the nutrition, on raw diets, ask for a referral somewhere. Somebody in your area has got to have it. But I'm pretty sure you can, you can find some online consultations, some Zoom consultations somewhere if you're really interested in switching your dog to a raw diet. And, you know, helping them be as healthy as they possibly, possibly can. Great. It was good to have you back on a podcast because you've not been on a podcast in forever. It's been a while. And Britt has been taken over as the co-host and she's been all quiet. And I know some of y'all are probably going to email us and be like, well, where was Britt? Well, she's been sitting over here doing um, a grocery order. She's been refilling our drinks. Uh, she's been taking some pictures and videos while we're doing this. So she's been working. Don't worry. She's been working too. But uh, we appreciate you guys, and I hope that you're not uh, too overwhelmed. I hope you don't have too much of a headache. Uh, But we love you. We appreciate you, Gray. Thank you again.
1: Glad to be here. I'll hop hop through it again soon.
0: We definitely need to. (laughs) Guys, I hope you have an opportunity to get out and work with your dog and do a little research on your food. Get those dogs healthy. Get yourself healthy. We love you. We appreciate you. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and if you've not signed up for the newsletter on the website, do so. And if you're local, reach out. We would love to help you out. Shoot us an email info at dogspeak101.com or podcast at dogspeak101.com. And we'll be happy to discuss anything that you need help with. We love you and we appreciate you. Have a phenomenal week.